Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The film, The City of Joy, follows the first class of students at a remarkable leadership center in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, a region often referred to as the worst place in the world to be a woman. These women have been through an unspeakable violence spurred by a 20-year civil war that driven by colonialism and greed. In the film, they band together with three founders of the center, City of Joy, that would be Dennis Mugwege. Uh, a 2016 nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize, radical playwright and activist Eve Ensler, and human rights activist Christine Schuler Descraver, to find their way of creating meaning in the lives that have been stripped of all meaning. In this ultimately uplifting film, we witness tremendous resilience as these women transform their devastation into a powerful forms of leadership for their beloved country. And we are joined today by the director of this. Remarkable documentary and uh, powerful film. It is uh, called City of Joy, and the director is Madeline Gavin. Madeline, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This is, as I said, it's just a real punch in the stomach in terms of what we see, what we witness, uh, but also remarkable in the resilience of these people that we see in the film. How did you become come aware of what was going on at the City of Joy? I had met Eve Ensler uh, years ago when I was in graduate school, and I had written a script, a narrative script that she had read and she had really loved, and that was how we had met. And then we fell out of touch, but sometime later when she was, you know, doing work with her organization V-Day, you know, going around the world and, you know, the V-Day is, has been fighting violence against women and girls, you know, all over the world for some time. Um, she called me at one point and said that, you know, sometimes when she was in different countries, there were people there with cameras shooting, and she said, you know, I, I don't know what they're shooting, but, you know, could they send the footage to you, and would you want to put some pieces together for the web? And I was like, sure. So I started getting footage from these different camera people, and I cut together some pieces from various, from Afghanistan and Kenya and different places. And around this time was the first time that Eve went to Congo. Dr. McCoyge had invited her, and she had gone. And so when, on that first trip, the person who was shooting her sent footage to me. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I heard, you know, any stories coming out of Congo. I had known very little about Congo. I, you know, read Joseph Conrad, and I had, you know, sort of known it was on the border of Rwanda. I don't even know if I did. Um, I knew about the genocide in Rwanda, but in terms of Congo itself, I didn't really, I didn't know that there had been, you know, 20 years of civil war and this brutality and violence, and I didn't know how connected it was to the genocide. But, so I started hearing these stories, and I was just, I could not believe what I was hearing. I mean, the stories were so horrific, just unimaginable things, brutal things. But what was amazing is in some of these stories that I first heard, there was also this kind of 
resilience and strength. I mean, these women who had been through, you know, had watched their children be raped and sometimes killed. and I mean, just horrible, horrible things. And had this sort of will still to live, you know, to try to find a way forward. And that blew my mind because I just thought, you know, I had a young daughter at the time and I thought, like, if something had happened to her, I mean, I would just, you know, lie down on the floor and never get up again. Like, I just couldn't imagine how they could imagine their lives moving forward. So I was really struck and I made a few pieces from the material and then... Uh, shortly, maybe, I don't know, shortly thereafter, Christine, Dr. McQuaig, and Eve, you know, decided to build City of Joy, this center in Bukavu. So I knew it was opening. I had actually seen some footage of some of the girls who ultimately ended up being there. I just thought this should be feature documentary mm-hmm. um, following this first class. Not knowing what was going to happen, but just knowing that this was probably going to be something really powerful and important for the rest of the world to learn about, you know, especially given that I knew so little. I knew everyone else that I knew basically knew very little. So so that was how it happened. And then very quickly, you know, things kind of fell into place. I have been hearing about the Congo since the nineteen late 1970s. And what I didn't know was that there are two different countries that have Congo in their name. Okay, so you have the Republic yeah. of the Congo and you have the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And the Democratic Republic of the Congo is an enormous country. I don't think we have any yeah. idea the size of the countries in, in, in Africa and how huge they are. But you're absolutely right in terms of just for people to frame sort of where this is. It's really in the just below, it's in the middle of Africa, but just below what we look at when we, when the sort of the hump on the on the western side of Africa, so it's just below that. But it's in it's a yeah, landlocked. Kind of, it, it's really kind of if you look at Africa, the continent, it's kind of in the heart. You know, it's like Congo is the literal heart right. of Africa. Right. Um, right. And it is. It borders, you know, Rwanda and the area that we were shooting in, which is where you know most of the violence is in eastern Congo. The town we shot mostly in is literally right. I mean, you fly into Rwanda, and then you either drive through Rwanda for six hours into Congo, which I've done several times, or you take a tiny plane to a border town also on the Rwandan side, and then just, you know, drive over the border. But literally, this this uh, this town in this area is right on the border, right. and... Right. There's also Uganda, South Sudan, which is uh, a country wracked by violence, Central African Republic, yeah. the Republic of the Congo, and Angola all surround this country. And all of these countries have a history of incredible violence. And uh, and also, and you, you talked about this 20-year war that's been going on. A lot of it is driven by, as we mentioned in the introduction, by this colonial, this sort of aftermath of colonialism. They are, in fact, sort of cursed by the natural resources on in the ground that include uranium, coltan, gold, uh, and other rare minerals. And so this is this has been continuing chaos. And the results of which, I think, this is important to point out. Some estimates go to higher than six million people have been killed over this 20-year period. Now, that is just mind-boggling, and particularly violence towards women has been 
especially horrific. They seem to have been, it's not unheard of in war for women to be targeted for this insane level of violence. But certainly here in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and this region particularly, where women uh, seem to be singled out for just unspeakable horror. So I just want to make sure people understand what's going on and why the city of joy, this island of of nonviolence and of love, really, is so important. Have I gotten anything wrong in, in what I just said? Just help correct me if that... No, you've gotten it all right. The only thing is some estimates are that more than 8 million people have actually been killed. You know, and of course it's hard to get estimates out of villages right. in eastern Congo, you know, where it's very hard to communicate and, you know, it's not like there's great census reporting and all that, but um, what I've been hearing now is that it's more than 8 million. Right, and... So it's really... And, and the fact that the rest of the world or much of the rest of the world hasn't known this is just... I mean, that's outrageous. It is outrageous. You know, and... Yeah, yeah. And, and again, this is, I think, really, truly kind of the the, the uh, hangover of colonialism, where we don't pay any attention to these countries at all. I mean, the, the violence in the surrounding countries, Rwanda, it was a sort of a, it got our attention, and we seem to have, and while the world watched, while a million people were killed in, in a very short period of time, it, yeah. is, it is just endemic to this part of the world. And thank God we have filmmakers and films like City of Joy to at least bring some sunshine to what's happening in into the uh, into these people's lives and it's yeah this is such a well let's get to uh, some of the people some of the tr- truly terrific people that are in the film and you men- mentioned Dennis uh, Mugwege uh, as one also uh, and uh, we also talked a little bit about Christine Schuler Descraver uh, and also some of the other and Eve Ensler which um, we all know her from uh, the vagina monologues and her activism. So you you mentioned Eve, and he's sort of as a way into this film. It's remarkable to see the people involved at the City of Joy and how what they're doing. Sort of describe, if you can, in the broadest um, broad outlines of what they're trying to accomplish at the City of Joy. There, you know, Christine and Dr. McQuaige, both you know who have lived in Congo their entire lives believe very strongly in this idea that change comes from the grassroots and, you know, that it's not about taking handouts because handouts are only going to make people more dependent on more handouts, right? It's about giving tools to the people who live within the walls of the country and allowing them to sort of transform themselves and transform their country themselves. So, you know, that's really the concept behind City of Joy. I mean, it's run completely by Congolese. Uh, they make all the decisions. The girls are, in fact, you know, when Eve, Christine, and Dr. McQuaige talked to girls back when this whole concept was just, was just a little seed um, that was beginning to grow, you know, they went to the girls who were at, who were at the hospital and asked, you know, what is it that you want like what can what do you need and the girls said we want a place to feel safe where we can get ourselves together not have to worry about you know militia and empower ourselves and help the rest of our country i mean they they really they wrote out the plan for city of joy and so then these three founders made it happen um and the idea is very much that 
this idea that these girls, these the grassroots, will empower themselves, go back into their communities, and slowly begin to change and empower the communities. Because women in the village, in villages in, in eastern Congo, rarely know what their rights are. You know, they don't even they don't even know to ask for. They don't even know that that rape is illegal. They don't know. You know, it's there's all sorts of levels to change, but one of them, and one of the first ones, is understanding what your rights are and having some sense of entitlement around that. And also the fact that, you know, in Congolese culture, the stigma around rape is even bigger than it is, you know, here. I mean, if a girl is raped, she's generally abandoned by her father, um, often by the village. Usually the only person that might stand by these girls and I don't want to generalize, but this is often the case, and often the case with girls who are at City of Joy. The only person might be the mother. But it's really, there's so much shame involved in it that a lot of rape victims won't come forward with their stories. And so the fact that City of Joy is a place where people learn to tell their story and then take it a step further and learn to sort of own their story, you know, and we saw this transformation, you know, the first time a girl told her story versus, you know, the last time she told her story. Um, yeah. And then get to a point where you can go beyond your story and imagine your future past your story. But when those girls have been going back into the villages, they're setting an example for other girls in the villages. And so it is changing the culture. You know, I mean, it's slow, um, but it is changing the culture. And that's that's huge. And then on top of it, you know, Girls are running, you know, they're becoming journalists and radio, they have radio shows and they're, you know, building farms and collectives and, and all that. So it's very, this, the concept really of City of Joy is very much about making change from the inside out, yeah. um, it's, it's, which doesn't mean that there doesn't also have to be change from the outside in. Right. But the focus at City of Joy is very much from the inside out. I want to remind I hope our, that wasn't too long-winded. No, no, that's fantastic what you said. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with uh, Madeline Gavin. She's the director of the film City of Joy. It premieres Friday today, Friday, uh, September 7th on Netflix. And uh, check this out and look for it uh, 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 because it is, it is such an important story to be told and to hear. Can I just generalize for a second and say how much I love women uh, in general for, the, for their resiliency uh, and for uh, and for their ability to, uh, especially highlighted in this film, and I've seen a lot of uh, films about Africa and about the sort of turmoil, and inevitably women step into that breach to begin the healing in these countries. Sierra Leone, Liberia, all these different countries where women have really stepped up, and this is part of that process. It, it is from the women that we learn about life and about love and about moving forward and forgiveness. And these are difficult uh, stories and difficult situations, and we're not going to change overnight. But thank God. Thank God, and thank God for the people who are doing their work at the City of Joy. And can I say this on the radio? I'm not sure, but I'm going to say Kuma on the radio. I love that part of the film. I, this is some. This is another part about the personal uh, development that occurs. And, and I mean, beyond telling their story and beyond the... The uh, um, you know sharing uh, with others 
it's also about personal empowerment in the film, and I, I, just, I just love that section of the film where where you hear the, the the sort of the release of these women who are who are sort of owning their bodies and owning their the, their their persona and and all of it. It's really moving. It's quite a moving part of the film. Yeah. I know. It, I love that too. And that's the thing is like even these women have been through so much. You know, just my God, unimaginable things, yeah. and yet the joy the irreverence, you know, the sort of energy and spirit and vitality that's at City of Joy. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing place. Yeah. Um, and I love, you know, I love that scene as well and, and some others where you really, you see that and you feel it. And, and that was so important to me because I felt that so strongly at City of Joy, the, the concept of joy in a way that I had actually never felt it in the United States, you know, I don't, I don't know that many of us express joy. We express happiness and things, but I don't know. There's just, there was something palpable about the joy at City of Joy that was, that is infectious, contagious, and so powerful. And so it was really important to me that, because I knew, you know, this is a film that people might say, oh my God, I don't, I don't want to see that film, you know, oh, it's going to be so depressing, blah, blah, blah. I mean, of course, the stories are dark, but it's not depressing at City of Joy. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's, there's so much positive energy and power and laughter, and it's, yeah. it's incredible. So I want it. That was really important to me that the film had a sort of experiential side yeah. to it that mirrored the experience I had. Yeah. Um, and the experience that these girls are having, more importantly. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful arc to the story, and it, it, it speaks to the possibility and potential uh, of, a, of, a, of people, you know, and, and, and the ability to come through this incredibly horrible experience. But there are a couple of stories in here that I don't want to give away anything except I'll just say the, I'll just say the name Jane. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard anything quite as as dark as I as that story, and and to see her in the film, yeah. I, I I know, she's, and she's just yeah, she's just she is a force of nature. You know, she's she's laughing. All the, she's so full of Jane is amazing. I mean, you you know that because you saw the film and you've heard her story, and you know you've seen what she is now and she's now you know she's a social worker at City of Joy she's working at City of Joy yeah, she actually came to New York last year that's oh my God, it was amazing I, I, I um, yeah literally yeah, the world go on, go on. no the, literally the world is a better place because of, of Jane I mean if, yeah. if if you want to look at someone who could have easily given up and done I mean anything just any number of scenarios in, in to see her in this film is you know it affirms your yeah. your your your, uh, your view of humanity in a good way. I just highly recommend people check this out. It's on Netflix tonight, September seventh, and will obviously be on that platform for a while. It's called City of Joy, and it is well worth uh, your your time. and And you will tell people about this film. It is remarkable. Ah, Madeline Gavin, thank you so much for the film, and thank you so much for being here on Film School. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's oh, really great. My pleasure. My pleasure. Again, the film is City of Joy uh, on Netflix, and, and the director is, and filmmaker is Madeline Gavin. Thank you, Madeline. Thank you.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.